0: To Detroit today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We've talked a lot on the show recently about what the next four years four years are going to look like for minority groups here in America. Many racial, ethnic, and religious minorities fear that Donald Trump's campaign rhetoric might translate into fewer protections under his administration. They're already seeing an increase in attacks and hateful speech directed their way. Republicans have long claimed to embody the spirit of individual freedoms and constitutional limits on government power. But Trump ran on a platform of special protection, some might say handouts to his white base, which seemed to undermine that argument he ran, saying he would use the government in some uh, instances to limit the rights of some minority groups. Think of the things he says about immigration. Think of the things he says about uh, about uh, stop and frisk and uh, uh, other policies that that violate people's individual rights. So over the next four years. Who is it going to fall to to be the constitutional saviors under a Trump administration? I think a lot of people are very skeptical that Congress, which is uh, in the control of Republicans, will be uh, a break on this sort of speed uh, of the Trump administration toward uh, encroachment on people's liberties. Our next guest says it will be minorities themselves who are that uh, that savior of our constitutional freedoms. Shika Damia is a senior analyst with the Reason Foundation, uh, which is a libertarian think tank, and she's a writer for Reason Magazine. She joins us now to talk about uh, this issue. Shika, welcome back to Detroit Today.
1: Thanks for having me, Steve.
0: Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about uh, what the the argument that you're making that, that the people who are the very targets of some of the rhetoric that has come out of the Donald Trump campaign might themselves be the way to save constitutional protections that all of us uh, count on uh, to be in place in this country.
1: Right. So first to back up just for a second. uh, Last time I was on your show, you know, we talked about American exceptionalism. Yes. (laughs) And uh, uh, you know, that's the basic idea that America has a se- special relationship with I- ideals of freedom and limited government. And there's a related idea to American exceptionalism, which is that, uh, you know, that the uh, the country's white uh, Christian um, uh, population, it has this ethos of uh, limited government and individual self-responsibility, kind of inculcated in it, it's not a racial thing, but that it goes back to the early settlers, they came here to avoid persecution uh, from in continental Europe, uh, to observe their religious liberties, and all they wanted was to be left alone by the government, to pray the way they wanted to pray and make a living the way they wanted to make a living. And so therefore they have been imbued with this ethic of self-reliance, individual responsibility, and uh, that's what protects our freedoms that's what protects uh, government from becoming too overweening and powerful now our founders were actually a little bit more sophisticated than that Uh, they did read max uh, well max weber uh, wrote uh, the spirit of uh, capitalism Mm -hmm. and the protestant ethic uh, uh, you know um, uh, in the late uh, 19th century Uh, which kind of was a continuation of our idea of, you know, this American exceptionalism, um, uh, which was big in the United States. Uh, But, you know, Donald Trump, to some extent, defies all of that. Right. I mean, he is a perfect blend, as you put it, of a certain kind of economic populism. Mm And uh, uh, an anti um, anti civic civil liberties. Um, he is promising his white base all kinds of things, whether it's trade protectionism, immigration restrictionism, which, as far as I'm concerned, is in some ways uh, affirmative action for uh, uh, you know American workers. Sure. Uh, right? I mean, it, it, the basic idea is that uh, we are not going to uh, let the best win we are going to protect them from we'll competition them the from overseas sure. uh, whether it's through uh, goods or whether it uh, whether it's people and his base has kind of like lapped it up and at the same <laughs> time uh he is uh threatening to go after immigration in the most uh you know authoritarian way possible uh he as you pointed out wants to uh uh, uh you know go after uh, um, wants to protect the police uh, if it's uh, if it's abusive, He doesn't really care about um, you know, minority rights right. in inner cities, none of that, right? And so, and yet, a majority of white voters voted for him. Yes, which just shows that you know you cannot rely on them to come out and protect and protest for their own rights. Yeah. Because- so now
0: you're saying something that uh, <laughs> that I I sort of wrote a column about a couple of weeks ago, and I got a lot of angry pushback. I mean, uh, this idea that you cannot count on uh, white voters to vote to sort of. Uh, to, to put the interest of minorities ahead of these other things that Donald Trump is uh, promising them is sort of a controversial one. I mean, I, I agree with you, but I, like I said, I've heard from an awful lot of people who were quite angry that I said that.
1: Right. And I got a fair amount of pushback uh, for this myself. <laughs> and did. the reason is that, you know, the, um, and this is a fair argument that look, there are plenty of white people who are absolutely a- appalled by Trump, right? Uh, you have had uh, on the streets marching along with minorities plenty of uh, white youth who feel for the rights of minorities and that's all true and that's all fair my argument is that self interest is a huge huge driver of rights when you feel that your rights are being threatened when you feel it in the gut you have a different relationship to lady liberty sure. than when you feel that it is just something you have to do out of altruism or for the sake of something else and So, you know, so, yes, there are plenty of whites who care, you know, a fair amount about the Constitution and limited government. All I am saying is that they will march with minorities, but minorities will carry the baton because minorities are the ones who are going to be directly affected, which is exactly actually in the constitutional scheme of things. James Madison in The Federalist 10 he did not rely on a majoritarian commitment to ideas about individual liberty to protect the Constitution. He relied on a factions argument, if you recall. And the argument was that if you have multiple factions in the country, uh, they will not ally... Uh, you know, in favor of a tyrant, because the tyrant is going to threaten some interest and promote some interest. And at any given time, if you have many factions, you can count on all these factions uh, coalescing against the tyrant. And I think you are going to see actually a test of Madisonians factions argument uh, during the Trump presidency.
0: So in other words, uh, these sort of discrete groups that he has tried to single out uh, for some sort of curbing of their liberties, whether it's immigrants, whether it's a religious group, whether it's uh, a racial group, that somehow uh, they will find commonality together and protect against the the, the overreaches that he's proposed.
1: That's exactly right. Uh, you know, why, uh, a lot of his uh, white base, his working class base. Uh, likes his economic populism, right? I mean, they like being protected, much as they, you know, believe that individual reliance and, you know, all of that is the essence of America when it come, push comes to shove and their livelihoods are threatened. And here is this man who's saying he'll bring jobs back uh, through uh, some of the most anti-free market ideas. They are good with that. They are not going to march in the streets, uh, you know, for competition and more immigration when he when you know when their livelihoods feel they yeah. feel are threatened so he can buy that base by offering it protection and that'll also make it less interested in uh, marching in the streets for the liberties of the people who are actually threatened yeah. it'll be up to them to do so and you're already seeing signs of that in my view
0: right Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. Uh, I'm Stephen Henderson, and uh, my guest is Sheikha Dalmia. She's a senior analyst with the Reason Foundation, a libertarian think tank, and a writer for Reason Magazine. We are talking about uh, Donald Trump and uh, his sort of overtures toward curbing the liberties of racial, ethnic, and religious minorities here in America. Things that he said he wanted to do during his campaign who will protect those groups against that kind of tyranny Will it be Congress? Will it be The majority? Uh, Sheikha Says uh, it will be the minority Groups themselves uh, If you want to join the conversation give us a Call. Talk to me about what you Think about these things uh, That Donald Trump has said. The things That he says he wants to do To Muslims who want to immigrate uh, to, to America for instance The things he wants to do uh, to Latino immigrants who have Not come here legally. The things he wants to double down on in our own country with our own population. Uh, things like stop and frisk. He put a, a broad, warm embrace around the idea of stop and frisk during one of the presidential debates as a tool uh, to keep law and order in place. Of course, uh, that, that policy has been ruled unconstitutional uh, by a federal court. 313 uh, 577 is the number, Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine to join the conversation. You can also go to Facebook uh, and put your comments there on the WDET page. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, we'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Sheik, I want to go back to this idea of, of uh, the founders and the way they imagined this might work. Um, I think there's a very common perception that the Constitution itself was what they put their faith in. It was the one thing they could all agree on for starters, right? I mean, they, it, it, often when we talk about the founders, we talk about them as a hive mind, right? They believed this. Actually, the only thing that we have that we can say they all believed was the Constitution itself. It's the thing they all sort of signed off on. but but it really was that they believed the 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 system of checks and balances, uh, the the role that uh, that voters would play in the process, the role that minorities would play, uh, minority groups would play in the in the process, would protect people against this kind of tyranny. Uh, your argument is a little is a little different from that.
1: Well, uh, yes and no. I'm uh, it's. It's similar in the sense that I think the founders and James Madison specifically was quite sophisticated. You know, he did not think that the majoritarian population in the United States would ever be a bulwark against the tyranny of uh, the majority of its own tyranny for the simple reason that uh, its self-interest wouldn't always ally with freedom. There would be many instances when the majority's self-interest would be, uh, you know, or its immediate self-interest would be advanced by departing from uh, from freedom and limited government. So he uh, and the founders never counted on that. They did not think that, oh, just because Americans are so fond of their traditions of limited government, they would march on the street if there was uh, anti-Muslim persecution by, uh, by state authorities. They did not count on That. What they did was create a Bill of Rights which gave minorities themselves tools to protect themselves from the tyranny of the majority. Uh you know so yes the ACLU's of the world are extremely important you know who operate from this commitment to certain sure. ideals and certain freedoms but that's not what they thought would ultimately protect American freedom. They really did think self-interested minority groups individuals who felt threatened by tyranny would come out and use the constitution to protect themselves.
0: Yeah. Uh when we come back we're going to continue our conversation about how minorities in this country may be the saviors of our constitutional protections under a Trump presidency and we're going to want to hear from you lots of people waiting on the phones to take part in this conversation so stay with us on Detroit today You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for joining me. My guest is Sheikha Dalmia. She's a senior analyst with the Reason Foundation, a libertarian think tank, and a writer for Reason Magazine. We are talking about Donald Trump's incoming administration and how it will deal with With uh, racial, ethnic, and religious minorities, Uh, a lot of rhetoric during the campaign about things he wanted to do that would threaten the liberties of those groups. Uh, Sheik Adalmiya says it's those groups themselves that could be our constitutional saviors under a Trump administration that they will be able to band together to block some of the more tyrannical things. He has proposed you want to join the conversation. Give us a call 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Joe in Madison Heights. Joe, welcome to Detroit Today. You there, Joe? Maybe Joe's not there. Uh, let's go to Al in Detroit. Al, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, Steven. Nice to see you again.
2: Yes. Um, okay, my comment is this. I'm trying to explain to your screener. You know, we are such an individualistic group of people. Like, she, like your screener is a woman who, you know, when I was listening to just yesterday about how there's a there's a law passed about rape kits where, you know, they're, they're before uh, not being destroyed before the time, the sexual limitations. Right. Where I, as a black male, am worried about, you know, stopping first and, frisk and top in the situation that just happened in uh, North Carolina. It's not that neither one of us are insensitive to the other, but we're, our concerns are different. Right. And I don't hear about her concerns, and she might not hear about mine. And it seems like that's the bigger picture. In the society, whereas you have people protesting in um, North uh, North Dakota, sorry Montana, about the um, about the waterway.
0: I, I totally blinked on what was about called. the pipeline. Yeah, uh, yeah,
2: exactly. That's the Native American. You no, I didn't. I don't think about that. And yes, I know there's Native Americans who have been and fr- had their rights infringed and so forth. We have become so individualized to each other that we forget that. When they say minority, they mean anyone who's brown and who's a woman <laughs> right. and who who speaks who doesn't speak a language as English. You know, right. we kind of forget. We kind of think that oh well, she's Indian, of course, whatever. You know, that's them people, right. or you uh, that's know, an interesting. They're black that's them people, instead of thinking they don't mean. You know, when they say minority, they don't mean. Oh
0: just one just, group. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I hear black what you're saying. Latino. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. So Al, Al, that's a great that's a great point, and thanks very much for calling and making it uh, uh I, I will point out, however, that women are actually not a minority. <laughs> <laughs> women are a majority. They they have minority status in a lot of ways, and there's we could have a whole show about why that's true. But but I I, I absolutely take Al's point, which is uh I, I think his worry is that Uh, These discrete minority groups, uh, in order to sort of resist the things that you're talking about Donald Trump is doing, are going to have to acknowledge one another in a way that we don't necessarily see them doing right now.
1: Uh, Right. And uh, yes. And so, you know, what he's referring to is the problem of collective action. Right. That our interests are so dispersed and to band together is so difficult that uh you know we tend to then operate from our little silos rather than coming together and i think that's to some extent correct but i think you know one of the things that trump is doing he's invoking a generalized fear among minorities and mm-hmm. i actually hate the term minorities i think uh you know there ought to be a better term than you know minorities because <laughs> right. it has so many connotations that are actually not appropriate sure. in this context i mean i would just say Uh, people whose rights are being threatened because they belong to a certain group and are therefore being targeted as a group. And that group may be a majority group or it might be a minority group, but what they have in common is a certain, you know, sense of feeling targeted or, you know, uh, impending persecution.
0: And historically marginalized. And historically uh, marginalized.
1: And so I think, you know, they feel it in their bones. I mean, you know, uh, uh, to just give you a personal example, on one hand, Indian Americans who are in this country uh, from India, uh, you know, they are immigrants, and uh, they feel Donald Trump's anti-immigration you know rhetoric uh-huh. you know quite take it take yeah. it personally at the same time a lot of them are actually anti-muslim too right, right? right. i mean they come from uh, yeah. sure. india where indian and uh, hindus and muslims have had you know centuries old uh, tensions <laughs> conflict, and right. conflict and you know they kind of like his anti-muslim rhetoric And some of them may, in fact, be pro-Trump for precisely that reason that he's anti-Muslim and so my enemy's enemy is my friend, kind of. But there are, you know, about um, 73% of them voted against Trump. Yeah. And the reason is that they, along with Muslim Americans, just feel like they are going to be on the other end of the persecution spectrum if uh, Donald Trump has some of his ways. And so regardless of whether they actually share an identical agenda, the fear that he inspires in these groups is common and that will bring them together,
2: I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, Steve in Woodhaven, you're up next on Detroit Today.
2: Yeah, I'd like to ask you and your guests, uh, what what constitutional rights do illegal aliens have? Uh,
0: Well, I mean, there's actually, there's a lot of case law about that, Steve. And and is your assumption that they don't have any? Illegal aliens have constitutional rights? Yes, they do. They have many yeah. kind of, They have many. I mean, right? Yeah. Go ahead, Chika. Uh,
1: well, yeah. Um. You know, if you read the constitution, it says that. Uh all the Bill of Rights uh, applies to any resident in the United States. It actually does not distinguish between citizens and legal residents and illegal residents. Now, it is true. So what uh, illegal immigrants don't have are political rights. So they are not allowed to vote, for instance, and they are not allowed other similar, uh, you know, rights, but they do have- They do uh, have constitutional rights. They do have uh, due process rights, for instance. One One way
0: to look at it, in uh, one way that that I've often explained it is that the Constitution is. Uh, and the Bill of Rights in particular, is an outline of limitations on government's power. It is not about what that power can be levered, uh, leveraged against. And, and so it, the Bill of Rights says, for instance, the, the government may not uh, detain you uh, uh, forever without charge, uh, without a, 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 an ability to answer a charge, for instance. That's a restraint on government. That is not necessarily... A definition of who uh, who may who they may do that to. It is just a prohibition against that.
1: Action. That's right. Yeah, it's a
0: hard thing I think to to understand because we think of the Bill right. of Rights as being about individuals, right? But it's really about government,
1: right? And when it comes to affirmative rights, which are you know, voting, those are limited to only citizens. But the restrictions on government power are just, you know, precisely that. Yes, exactly. Steve
0: in Woodhaven, uh, I hope uh, hope we've answered your question satisfactorily. uh, And thank you very much, of course, for the call. Uh, Let's go to Vince in Detroit. Vince, welcome to Detroit today. Vince? I don't think we have Vince. All right, let's go to Pat in Brighton. Pat, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Hi, thank you. Sure. Um, my opinion is, uh, first of all, I am a white suburban mom, kind of a soccer mom. Mm-hmm. I'm a very uh, dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, and I live in a very Republican county, mm-hmm. um, which we chose for the schools for my son. Um, but I am also a social worker, um, master-level social worker, and I work in the city of Detroit. I have for 15 years, and I work with the homeless. Homeless people are of all varieties and sure. all colors and all types, and I am absolutely outraged to the point where I cannot—you can hear the emotion in my voice. Sure. I cannot believe that the American people have been so duped as to have elected this person And now, even 10 days into his pre-election or whatever, he has stacked his cabinet with billionaires.
0: Yeah. Pat, Pat, thank you. I mean, I I wish we could uh, continue to to talk about this, but uh, we're out of time. But I really do appreciate your call. And I I feel what you're saying. I think a lot of other people do, too. Shikha Dalmia, senior analyst with Reason and uh, writer for Reason Magazine. Thanks, as always, for being here on Detroit Today. That's going to do it for me. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station. I'll see you tomorrow.